Right, oh, here we are. Episode 3 with the dodgy music for the intro. Um, we are with Garth today. He is a uh, owner of his video production company, GD Video. He's worked on loads of projects for all kinds of brands like Autodesk, Virgin Media, and he talks about his love for passion projects, how that can lead to paid work down the line, and also what he thinks about online courses. So yeah, let's get into it. All right, guys, do you want to just introduce yourself? What are you currently sort of working on? What do you do? And, you know, how did you get to that point? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Toby. Um, yeah, I guess I've been doing video for six years now for myself. Um, it's a pretty long story of how I got into it. I don't know if you want the whole story, really. Yeah, give it all. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't want to just talk about myself and my story all the way through. But, um, yeah, I've been... I've been freelancing for six years or recently now started a more official video production company about a year ago when limited and all that type of thing got a small team that I work with uh, but predominantly I've been working for myself for six years in video um, before that I was a professional rugby player and that's all I ever wanted to do as a teenager and uh, I kind of made it I guess at 18 I signed a contract for sale sharks in the premiership played in the Junior World Cup and I just thought that's what I was going to be doing for most of my early adult life. Um, but then I got released from my contract after two years and actually really fell out of love with the game. And I had two options really. I could go and try and find another club and keep keep the dream alive or just do something completely different. And I just, I'd so fallen out of love with what I thought was my dream career. Um, that I just thought, I'm not enjoying this, I want to do something else. So I went and did a degree in music production, which was something I was really interested in. Did that for three years, started playing semi-pro rugby and, and really enjoyed that period and got to explore my creative side, but still had never picked up a video camera. So at this point, I'm like 21, 22. And then when I left uni, I sort of had another crisis because I got injured, which was the end of my rugby career, tore two knee ligaments. And uh, I got a job in a warehouse for a sportswear company. And I was really like at rock bottom, mm. no rugby, no money, shit job. Um, but I stuck at it for about nine months. And then I, just by chance, a guy in the marketing team at that sportswear company, I knew him through rugby. And he came in one day and said, oh, did you do video at uni? Because I remember you said you did a creative degree. And I sort of lied and said, yeah, yeah, I can make videos. So he said, oh, we're looking for a videographer can you send us some work? So I went home that night, I had nothing, like I'd never shot anything. So I just, I remember having a copy of Final Cut, like an early version of Final Cut on my old Mac. And I just nicked some videos off YouTube, took some images off their website, the sportswear company, and just made this really bad promo. But they had no other applicants for the job. And they said, you know what, like, we like you. You've worked, you're already working here, we'll give you a shot. And that was it. Uh, and I, I just learned on the job for two and a half years. Um, worked on like the Commonwealth Games, worked some really cool football and rugby teams. And then after two and a half years, that's when I decided I want to do my own thing. And um, yeah, the last bit is that I got offered a, a coaching role in rugby, like head coach of my local team. And that was like eight grand a year salary. So I thought, right, that'll cover at least my expenses. And all I've got to do is get you know, a couple of jobs and I can get going and that's that's how I got into it. So, yeah, pretty random. So it all sort of came together in the end then, didn't it? 
after yeah and i think uh, yeah. i think that's often the way it goes you know like i think everybody has these like low moments and then if you stick with it i think there's often a good thing on the other side of that you know yeah did, did you ever see yourself even getting into video before you were asked to, to do it not really i i mean I, I was always taking photographs and like shooting home movies on my mum's like tape camcorder and stuff growing up like i always had that creative like spark in me but i don't think i ever gave myself permission to pursue it because i was known as like the rugby player yeah. and like the two don't really go together yeah. as a teenager um so I was, I was definitely interested in it you know but i just didn't see any route into it and it was the same with the music production at the time it's like what am i gonna do with this degree um i think the way everything's evolved since then there's probably more opportunities now um in like music and video but yeah i was interested but i didn't see a way into it and so yeah it was very random how it came together mm, yeah that's crazy but um i guess do you think the first couple of years that you did in video did you improve like a lot it sounds like you must have because you went two and a half years is, i suppose it's quite quick for most people to go straight to freelance sort of thing from not really doing yeah. anything like did you improve a lot when you're working for the sports company i think i did improve quite a lot but i still wasn't great when i went freelance <laughs> i think i think the thing that's maybe been an advantage for me is that i knew absolutely nothing about the industry whatsoever mm. so i didn't know about who did what in a crew and how productions were brought together i just went out and did everything myself and um, I think that's actually been quite a good thing as so I've learned how to wear every hat from producer, director, editor, DOP, lighting. I just do it all myself. Um, and I think if I'd known how everything was meant to work and been to uni saying done film, I probably wouldn't have had the, the balls to do it. Um, <laughs> I just went out and started speaking to businesses, you know, and find out what their problems are and say, oh, you know, video could help you solve that and let's do it. Um, but in the in the sportswear company, I started filming on like this tiny Panasonic uh, camcorder. It was just an absolute piece of crap. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I was jumping in After Effects and just learning on YouTube. And eventually we got a DSLR and like a 600D and like the videos improved a bit. Um, so I was getting better, you know, but I wasn't amazing. Um, but you know, you just got to keep up the craft. Yeah. You? So I so, said, yeah, like with your freelance, I suppose that's where you improve most, wasn't it? Cause you'd have to wear all those hats and be yeah, able definitely. to produce what the client wants. And that sort of forces you to grow, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think my timing was quite good. So I, I went freelance in 2014. So of course video was kicking off online. Mm -hmm but probably not to the extent that it is now. Mm. I think now I see some people, young, you know, young kids coming into the game with access to gear and they're talented, you know, and they're good. And I think my early work was pretty budget, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and it was, a, it was very corporate because I tapped into my old rugby network to get all my jobs. So it was all like professional services, businesses and stuff like that. So it, it wasn't the most creative, but it got me started. Yeah. And then about two or three years in, I upgraded to like a Canon cinema camera, shot a few passion projects and just nice. thought, right, come on, go improve the craft. And that's, you know, I'm still don't think I'm the most talented videographer, but, you know, just pushing forward all the time. Yeah. So you think timing is probably 
is also a key factor into how you sort of got into the freelance. Would you I say? think timing's always important, yeah, isn't it? Like, definitely. you know, if you look at startups and successful businesses, a lot of it is is chance, a lot of it is timing. Same with creators, say on YouTube. Um, so I think as time goes on, you know, I think there are so many people entering the video game. Um, but this, you know, I think the key thing is that you're good at what you do and you know people. They're the two th We'll probably yeah, talk about that later. It, They're really? the key things. Yeah. That's the key thing. Um, and don't get too worried about what other people are doing. You know, make your contacts, keep pushing yourself. It's not a zero-sum game where only one person can win, you no. know. Yeah. Um, there's lots of opportunities out there. And I think, actually, you know, we were talking on before we came on, you're saying you're from Hereford, I'm from Preston, which is like, you know, there's not much of a scene here. Mm. But in some ways, that's actually an advantage because, you know, there is still big businesses around and you can work with them and get to meet them. And, you know, you're maybe a bigger fish in a small pond, which can be better. Yeah, less competition, but, you know, you still have the chance to dominate that area for yourself, don't you? I guess, if you're the only one doing exactly. it at that level. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose that, I mean, one of the questions was, how did you get your first paying client? But I guess it was through the network of your rugby club and connecting with people that you already knew yeah so um my first job was actually still probably top three jobs i've ever done in terms of enjoyment um oh, nice. i was so i was at the sportswear company and i got the coaching job and i was thinking i want to quit but i still wasn't sure and then a guy i knew through the rugby club owns a marketing agency in Preston and he was building a website for a guy that was starting a team building uh, company and he was ex uh, special forces. So this idea was, it was like uh, training with SAS personnel, but in a luxury environment. Oh, yeah. So he was putting on an event in Paris at this chateau for journalists who were reviewing the event and he wanted a promo video. And so the guy who was building his website said, oh, I know a videographer. And he came to me with that. And I just plucked a number out of the air, like uh, 1,200 quid, you know, like two or three days in Paris, edit. And uh, he was like, oh, that's, that's okay then. So I was thinking, God, that's nearly like a month's salary right now. <laughs> so at least I've got my last paycheck and then this job, at least I know I've got two or three months in the bank. And I went to Paris, it was amazing. Like we, we shot this video and then we had a massive night with all oh. these soldiers uh, drinking and stuff <laughs> at this chateau. That sounds epic, doesn't it? Yeah, so I remember flying back thinking like, you know, I've made it. And then, <laughs> you know, I've, I've still not had a job that fun. <laughs> really? Um, you thought that was gonna be your life for the next Yeah, I was years. thinking this is it now, this, this is it. I'm gonna be just flying around, shooting videos, having a good time. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, it didn't, doesn't quite work like that. But so that was that was the first paid job. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people ask that question. You know, I still ask the question now, six years in, how can we get clients? How can I get yeah, more business? It's the biggest question, isn't it? But it is, like, but I think yeah. a lot of it is just, it's just luck, you know, and, but you put yourself in position to get lucky. Yeah. I think, and yes, relationships, that's what, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So did you um was that the only piece of what you did for that client well actually uh they p 
pivoted away from the events and started an outdoor clothing brand. All right. Um, and it was amazing clothing. Um, it was a ex-Special Forces guy teamed up with his girlfriend who was a designer who had family in Hong Kong and they were built and making this great gear. And unfortunately that, that didn't work out for them, but I did their Kickstarter video and then like an outdoor brand video. Um, but I shot the commercial off my own back. They paid me in, in clothing. Hmm. And uh, I think that's an important thing. I was thinking my portfolio is pretty naff. Mm. Um, I want to do some more like cool stuff. So I went and shot a, a commercial with them in, in uh, Scotland and I shot a Kickstarter video uh, in the Lake District with them. So yeah, they gave me a bit more work. Um, but yeah, after them initially, it was all it was all corporate. It was all pretty pretty dull stuff. Yeah, I well, suppose corporate is the ones that pay, don't they? Because like they said, no money in music videos. <laughs> well, yeah, again, it's like. Um, I think early on money is important mm. you know it's like I'm almost coming at it the other way around it's like started in corporate and now trying to get now that money isn't as much of a worry yeah trying to do more mini documentaries and music and sports which is like my passions but um, I do a lot of corporate you know I do a lot of manufacturing stuff and that's also been some of my best opportunities have been with like software companies and manufacturing companies and what you eventually realise is that actually you can bring you can bring you, your skills and push yourself in that in that environment. Um, you know, there's no there's no reason that corporate videos have to be boring mm. <laughs> because those clients, that's their company, they want something exciting. So you can treat it as like any other type of film and and just bring that cinematic edge. Yeah, just and, they'll keep uh, it aligned with their sort of brand, isn't it? And corporate, exactly. Yeah, and that's always... something I'm really tried to do lately. Mm. Yeah, I wondered that, like, with the whole manufacturing businesses, how does video, like, help them? Because I think a lot of people who shoot, you know, some, like, you know, smaller videos at the start, they see people shooting manufacturing, you know, farming videos, these, like, how do they use the video that you make? Is that internal or um, um, promotion? Well, I think these days it's interesting because you'll hear a lot of video creators bashing the one-off, like, company introduction video. Mm. But actually, that carries a lot of weight for, say, a manufacturing company. So, for instance, the most recent project I've done started because of lockdown. And this guy's basically saying, you know, our sales team cannot go on the road. We can't bring anybody to our facilities. But showing people our capabilities is very important for winning contracts. Um, this company, like, repair old uh, equipment from submarines, tanks, air, you know, fighter jets, all this crazy stuff. And so just to have a two minute video, two, three minute video that shows exactly what they do, exactly what their capabilities are and portrays their business in a really professional way because they're dealing with like big clients. Mm. That's a really powerful piece of content. Uh, so it's mainly like internal sales use. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're saying it's had a huge impact for you know, send that to a client before you meet them. You don't spend the whole meeting explaining what you can do. They already know when you're into a much, you know, more viable conversation. Yeah. So I think, I think another thing then on that that's really helped me is understanding business, um, you know, reading a lot of books, understanding marketing, sales, taking an interest in that. Because as soon as you can identify somebody's problems and, um, you know, 
push video forward as a solution, you're a much more valuable asset than, you know, I'll just shoot you a video for social yeah. media. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, you sort of become part of their team. Don't you? If you can help them with their strategy, with this, where to put it, distributing it, potential advertising, right? Yeah, you become, then you become more valuable, I guess, in a sense. That's it. That's it. And it's a real battle because, you know, you want to do creative work and then you've got the business side. I think for me, if you want to make it in video now, unless you go into the top end of, you know, branded content, film, TV, I think if you're operating on a smaller level, um, you've got to be able to bring value, value to small businesses. And what I very quickly realized was that, I remember one of the first videos I did was for a law firm and they just buried it on the homepage um, out of the way. You know, no one ever saw it. They did nothing with it. And I just took for granted that companies actually knew what they wanted to do with this this content. Mm. And, you know, I've dealt with a $2 billion company in America who still doesn't know what they're doing with the videos that I gave them, you know. Yeah. So I think taking an interest in how video fits into marketing, that's a really important thing. Mm. Uh, unless you're going to really specialize as a director or DOP on, on bigger productions. Yeah. Um, but what I'm trying to do is just do both now, you know, like it's nice to have a balance of mm. maybe doing some smaller business type productions and then pushing myself out as a, a DOP or director, you know. Yeah, is that what you're looking to do going forward, get on a few more like bigger productions as a camera operator and stuff? So that's sort of fun, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think lately I've just had a few more inquiries from other production companies and companies, which I'd never had previously. Now my work's getting a bit better yeah. to say, you know, what are your rates for operating a camera or directing? Uh, we've seen your work. So, yeah, I think there's two sides to it. I've got the sort of production company, which I guess is a bit more video marketing. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, personal brand, if you will. I think I want to focus a bit more on just getting into a bigger crew and you know learning that type of thing because like i said before never done a huge amount of that yeah i think it's a whole new world isn't it knowing how the whole system works between director dop and obviously the size of production there's even more people so yeah and when you're operating well, have, have you on studied own, like film no so you, i, I no. did business and marketing at uni and then i got into video after so i'm i feel like i'm yeah. catching up but yeah i think the whole film there's a whole new world, isn't it? But like you said, just being on production, I think you definitely learn a lot, even whether you, you have to work for free or whatever. Yeah, I think so. And um, But it, again, it's interesting because before I mentioned um, not having that background, being yeah. an advantage. And then one of my favorite directors is Robert Rodriguez. And I don't know if you've read his book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew. No, no. Which is about how he made his first feature film for $7,000 on his own. Um, and he's always saying, you know, if everybody's going one way, you go the other, you know, and you you carve your own path. And so I actually think, yeah, I'd love to learn all that synergy on set um, and have that knowledge. I'm, I'm planning on getting that and, and working on that at the moment. Mm. But I also think it's an advantage to maybe go to a production company and say, I can direct it, but I can also shoot it and edit it. And you're going to save money. You're going to make more margin. You know, I think, I think yeah. having that, lack of knowledge in some ways is is an advantage yeah well yeah and i suppose even if you were ever going to be a director a director kind of has to know all the different things anyway don't they 
because they can't tell DOP exactly. what to do if they've never shot themselves or they've never edited. So Exactly. You just wear as many hats as possible and then it's like stacking skills, you know, I think, you know, you, you've got a marketing background, you learn video, uh, you learn how production works, you know, how social media works, you, you know, you get a feel for all these different things. You're doing a podcast, you're getting used to interviewing people, you know, the more you stack up the skills, the more value, valuable you're going to be moving forward, the more opportunities you'll get. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you, if you specialise which is what a lot of people recommend in business. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a big debate a between specialising yeah. and generalising. But what do you think? Yeah. Um, I've always been a massive generalist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's worked for you so far, yeah. so you can't really knock it. <laughs> no, I think... I just think if you specialise, um, you've got to want to go right to the top of whatever you do, and you've got to be the best. Yeah. And you are also more vulnerable. You know, like technology, the way it's advancing, you know, a certain role in film could just be wiped out. True, so, yeah. You know. <laughs> robots, yeah. So if you're a specialist focus puller and then <laughs> that's just gone, you know, and you don't know anything else, what are you yeah. going to do? Um, I don't know if that's a yeah. an example, but just <laughs> I think the more you know, um, you know, the, I think the better opportunities you'll get to, to actually make a living, you know, doing this. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, you're going to have to be one of the best focus pullers in the world if <laughs> you want to yeah. make a living just turning that knob. Um, so, yeah, I guess this leads on to dream. Have you got any dream projects that you'd love to work on? I know, obviously, you had the dream project at the start, but if there's yeah. something like, you know, 10 times bigger than that or even just a brand you would really want to work with on a certain project or a little passion project is there anything that comes to mind yeah so um i love outdoor brands i think they're they're ahead of the curve with branded content i think everybody would love to work with say a patagonia or a north face yeah um and yeah that would probably be a dream type of client and it I really want to shoot my own short film as well. Like I think mini documentary and quite raw gritty style has become my sort of thing. Um, but now I've been reading Robert Rodriguez and looking at all his short films and stuff. I'm thinking that would actually be a really good experience to write and shoot a short film. So that's something I'd like to do. Um, but then again, if I come back to the outdoor brands, that's what everybody wants to do. So it's like, at the moment, I've got three personal projects on the go, mm. mini documentaries on outdoor, like influencers and people with interesting stories, a triathlete. So I think rather than waiting for a brand to come to you, you know, go and make, make the it, films yeah. yourself. Yeah. And um, the last time I did that on a rugby player, uh, the RFU, England Rugby, offered to buy that video for a campaign they were doing. So it's almost like, just go and make the stuff. Um, and then let the brands come to you rather than, you know, spamming them saying like, can I shoot video for you? You know, at the North Face. <laughs> at, at North ne Face. Yeah, at North Face, can I shoot? You know, never going to happen. Yeah. Um, whereas the approach now is, I know a guy uh, who's a, got a big following in the outdoor space, sponsored by Speedo, Solomon. I'm just going to go and shoot a film on him next month. Nice. 
And there's a pretty good chance that Speedo are going to see it. You know, he, he takes over their Instagram. Um, so you've just got to find people like that. And rather than go to the brand, go to the influencer that the brand's working with. Yeah, and, it's um, just like hacking it, isn't it? Hacking the network. Yeah, Cause, definitely. And yeah, making stuff that would be good for your portfolio. Or even if you have to, like, like you said, do something for free, but that's going to give you access in the future or at least something really good to put on your website. Definitely. Yeah, the way I look at that is um, I don't think anybody should work for free for a client. Yeah. It never ends well. They take the piss, but you should always be working on personal projects mm. because the the personal mini documentary I did on a, a local rugby player, um, it's led to nearly all my best opportunities, that project. And the way I look at it is it, it took probably three months to bring together, but actual time was maybe three or four days shooting and a couple of days editing. And I think, how much time do you, do we all spend sat on social media, like direct messaging people, yeah. messing about going to networking events, sack that off, shoot your personal projects where you've got creative control. Yeah. And then get them out. Can, yeah. Get, make it brilliant, push it as far and wide as possible. And, and that's when the cool stuff's going to start happening, which is exactly what happened for me. Um, before I did that project, my portfolio was naff yeah. and I was trying to get in with these brands. Like, why would they, yeah. why would they work with me? Um, so just as an example of, of what I'm on about there, I did the, the mini documentaries about a guy who came to the UK from Zimbabwe during the Mugabe crisis and took up rugby as a way to integrate into this Preston society. He actually lives in a place called Longridge, which is a tiny little town near Preston. Skiddle, who I don't know if you've heard of, yeah. um, they're the like, big ticket selling platform, yeah. are randomly based in Longridge, <laughs> where he grew up. And they saw the film, I ended up shooting, and they said, oh, we want some like raw, gritty, branded content. I ended up doing like loads of work for them. Wow, that's cool. Like, shooting mini docs on up and coming bands. Really? Yeah, one of which was the Jewelers, who were like this reggae band who went from buskers to now doing like stadium tours. That that video blew up. Nice. And it just showed like, shit, you know, I've been wasting my time joining networking clubs. Yeah. All I had to do was shoot the, the cool, the cool shit. Yeah, <laughs> people I think see. I saw that rugby video. It's quite good, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's how you tell the story. And I think that's what connected with people. And that's probably, yeah. you know that's what the clients that you got from that that's what they realised okay I want something like that because they probably watched it and thought yeah that that connects with me and our brand yeah yeah and it's, that is a good point you make about the story because I look at that video and think from a technical standpoint there's lots wrong with it but it had a strong story yeah and that's what people connect with so I think if you can learn storytelling um, yeah that creates an emotion you know that glitzy YouTube style transitions and color grade and all that. Yeah, it's nice, but what, you know, what's, what's behind the project, you know, yeah. what's the meaning? Yeah. yeah. Most people that aren't into video probably notice the story a lot more than the wacky transitions. And <laughs> <laughs> although, you know, we love, we love that as videographers. Yeah. Well, it's easy to look at, you know, amazing, cinematographers and just think, God, you know, I'm so far behind. But, yeah. You know, if you can, 
Well, I like to watch piece of content where I'm not looking at the videography and the, and the technical side. It's like, as, if you don't notice it, that's probably a good thing. You know, it's, it's about the story. You, you know, you've, you've got to get out of the way and tell the story. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't mind doing productions that are a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. Know? So is that sort of what you want to work on going forward? And more like on a paid, obviously, basis to do little docos and stuff that you have more creativity over, I guess. That's what I'm trying to do with yeah. the, the personal projects, yeah. So I've just shot one on a triathlete who um, I've known him for a long time, wanting to do a video on him for a long time. And then he, during lockdown, he's lost a couple of close people uh, to suicide. Mm. So he, he decided he wanted to raise some awareness and during lockdown, because he was worried about how isolated everybody was and he wanted to raise some money for a, a mental health charity. So he rode his uh, Watt bike in his flat for 24 hours nonstop, uh, which is savage. But mad, so I've just yeah. done a thing on him. Um, he's got a big Instagram following. Again, you know, it, it like works for everybody. He raises more money, gets awareness, puts me in front of some brands, and it's a good story. So I, I, I think it's good to look for that type of stuff to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and mix it with your, with your paid work. Yeah. Well, and even stuff like that it's got like a good cause behind it isn't it so you feel like you're at least putting good stuff out in your video rather than I guess you know working for a client that has <laughs> some dodgy ethics or something <laughs> exactly yeah mm. it's um, yeah it's good for your work to have some have some meaning as well you know and make some impact so um, yeah I've got I've done that and I've got two more of those types of stories coming up based up in the lakes so um, you've just got to go out and make the work that you want to be hired for I think that's how I'd describe that yeah well yeah do you think I guess yes yeah, like the whole story thing like subject subject matter kind of matters a lot doesn't it um, like yeah so definitely um, like the guy in the lakes he, he was he's like a he was an alcoholic like as a young student and uh, his life was like falling apart and he moved back to the lakes and now he he um lost lost seven stone like he uh his instagram account is all about cooking on he does like gourmet meals on the top of the mountains in the lakes it's called fell foodie harrison so um nice. he, he's a cool guy with a good story you know and yeah he's, he's in the community that i want to break into as a filmmaker so it just makes total sense to find these people yeah and they're always keen you know to to um share the story and have content made about them like who wouldn't want that yeah there's benefits you know. both doesn't it so yeah win -win. everybody wins yeah yeah have you seen any of the stuff on like ross edgley and his sort of stuff i guess that was he the crazy guy who swam <laughs> around the uk yeah that's just what yeah, it reminded yeah. me of when you, you know talk about triathlons and little documentaries because I know I know someone who works for Gymshark and they've done stuff with him. Yeah, he's <laughs> a crazy guy. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? But yeah. you know, but th those people are everywhere, you know. So mm. if, if you're into music, if you're into sport, you know, you could be into uh, narrative stuff. And there's an upcoming actor. You've just got to find these people. Um. And the more you do, the, the luckier you get, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You know. Um, anything that you're struggling with at the moment that comes to mind in terms of being a videographer? I suppose, yeah, what, what do you struggle with on a day-to-day? -day? Um, 
I think the classic struggle is uh, the, the creative side of filmmaking versus running a legitimate business. Yeah. Um, and it's something I've really battled with over the last six years because if I'm honest, there's been times where I've got a bit sick of video and film and I've, because every, every book you read, don't sell your time for money, you know, and you get sucked into this and you're thinking, God, like, if I stop working, I've got no money coming in. So then you get sucked into all these bullshit things on Facebook, like build an online course. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> the shiny object, start, yeah. yeah, start coaching and get passive income, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, you start to think, oh God, I've not got a scalable business. So maybe yeah. you start trying to package up your video, like the corporate video package, and this is what you get. And I think recently I've just realized that that's just a lot of uh, bollocks really. Mm. Like, I'm not trying to build a huge video production company. I'm trying to do work that I enjoy. I want to have the freedom that comes with running a business mm. and do stuff I'm proud of. Uh, I can worry about all that other stuff in 20 years, you know, now's the time to like, just get good at the craft. And so, yeah, that, that's been the struggle for me, getting distracted with business and entrepreneurship when really you just need to have a vision and like stick on the path, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, me and probably a lot of other people have the shiny object syndrome with all these, you know, gurus and everyone you see online selling their latest course promising yeah. the uh you know 10k a month for four hours a week but it's oh, not mate. i bet we've seen the same people there's that guy paul xavier like oh, yeah, on instagram yeah and he just yeah what does he talk about um <laughs> we'll call well, he, it's like video producers are uh struggling and what you need to do is learn how to run facebook and youtube ads um, you can charge your clients like five, 10 grand a month, yeah. make the commercials and then do the distribution for him, which is fine. But yeah, then I go on his stuff. He's, he's like the worst videographer in the world. <laughs> his campaign example that he uses in all his sales stuff is his girlfriend's like massage parlor, oh, um, which just looks like a load of shit. <laughs> and and I'm just like... It's, yeah, but then they start getting all these testimonials, and like maybe there are you know there are people who are doing it, but mm. you got into film because you want to make film, not because you want to sit there learning Absolutely. Facebook ads and Google, and and, and then what will happen is, and this is the dangerous thing with the guru thing, you'll actually go out because I've done this. I got a, an AdWords client like pay per click. Oh, no. I just started managing <laughs> their ad spend for him. Uh, training company and it, you know what it actually went all right but like eventually you'll get to a point where you're like shit actually i'm not an expert in this and i'm i'm just taking their money and trying to blag it yeah. you know and it's it's dangerous you're gonna you can get yourself in a lot of trouble and it, yeah. it's what i don't like about marketing there's just all these gurus yeah go out and find your local hairdresser your local gym selling these packages and um it takes for granted that these people actually have a business worth promoting. Yeah. Because um, I think in marketing, if you've got a good product or service, it will spread. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need Facebook ads or whatever. It might do if you want to scale. But these local businesses, you go and promise them the earth, but they're actually not a very good business. Yeah. No one's going to get results. They're going to spend money. 
blah blah blah. So yeah, <laughs> and they stick don't, to the yeah. uh, stick to the craft. And if you want to do the Facebook thing or YouTube, you know, partner with somebody who's a specialist, and you know, you can bring them leads, they can bring you leads, creative and ads. You know, it's a good that's a good partnership. Something I'm trying to look at right now. Yeah, that's a good but, point. Because yeah, um, because yeah. yeah, I think they're selling the idea that you can either do what they did or do something that's an expert can do like yeah if you're an expert yeah. ads you can probably sell that service but if you're not yeah you're risking your reputation and yeah it's more yeah, of just a quick win isn't it? you're going for a quick it's win it's dangerous yeah and you know if you think about it um, it's like if I wrote a course about how to become a videographer <laughs> classic like and I taught that like if I went back in time, I probably couldn't do it again. The, the stars probably wouldn't align, you know. Like I can share what I've learned, say on a podcast, which is good fun and good to try and help people out yeah. like this. But am I going to put a course together for two grand on how to get into videography? Well, you know, you don't have my network. I don't have your network. You know, we don't. We have different backgrounds. Yeah. And all that information is out there for free or in a ten quid book. You know. So yeah. be wary of the two grand <laughs> two online grand. course on how to get video clients. Nine nine seven. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone, everyone's shit. story is different, isn't it? So you can't sell a blueprint that will, I think, yeah. Like if you're going to invest, invest in a book, that's a tenner and then yeah. you can learn from that as what you can, but you're going to have to make your own yeah. mistakes anyway, to some extent. Exactly. I mean, here's a great way to look at it. Like think about any master of sports, business creativity how many of them got there by reading 10 step blog posts and how to guides yeah. like it's good for maybe learning how to you know how do i color grade in premiere pro well maybe i can learn some basics on youtube and but to master that i'm gonna have to get in and do many thousand of hours finding my own my own way and honing my talent you know, Michael Jordan didn't become the best following a 10-step guide on how to shoot free throws, you know. No. So I think yeah. always be wary of that. Yeah. It's only getting more and more, isn't it? Especially the last couple <laughs> of years. I think I started seeing these courses 2017 when it was starting, the whole Amazon selling. <laughs> I think, do you remember when fidget spinners were big? <laughs> fidget spinners, what are they? I can't remember. You know those uh, little handheld things that you'd spin? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, they were some mad on Amazon. Did you try and sell them? Well, I actually ordered. <laughs> I ordered. <laughs> I, I ordered a batch from China, which um, would only have made me about a grand anyway. <laughs> but they ended up taking too long, and I was going to Camp America, so I had to cancel <laughs> the shipment. Luckily, I somehow got my money back. Um, really? But yeah, from Alibaba. Uh, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> Yeah, of course it was. Well, you know, there's a, actually a lot to be said for that because I did a similar thing with these wax canvas backpacks and I set up an Etsy shop um, as an experiment, you know, like buy a product, package it up, market it, sell it. There's a lot There's a lot to be said for that. Like, you can learn a lot from that. Mm. Um, so I think that's actually not a bad thing to do, but just don't get sucked into the two grand course or 997 course on how to yeah. become an Amazon seller. Yeah, like e-com is, um, is a proper business, isn't it? It's just, you actually have to treat it like one. Like you can't just buy a trending product and hope to be rich for life. Yeah. Like you actually have to do market research, build a good yeah. product. 
you know. Because that's what everybody else is doing. So they're all looking at the same products. Yeah. But what's interesting is, um, you know, I like the idea of, are you thinking big enough? Um, and this is something I'm really thinking about at the moment, thinking about your, your e-commerce example. It's like, I, I said before, I'd love to work with the North Face. Um, but if you're a marketer and a video producer, you know, why not just start your own brand or your own platform, you know, go one step bigger. Yeah, um, that's what I've been thinking. How so, can you use your video skills to promote your own brand? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Exactly. <laughs> um, I've seen some really cool companies, you know, the production company is the brand and they've got, you know, really cool um, hats and t-shirts and gear and they sell their films and they find creative ways to like, you know, put on a film night and, and open up other streams of income. Yeah. So I think it's important to do that, but just not through some bullshit course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, how can you, you know, I'm sure there's actual good communities out there that aren't bullshit where, you know, it might be 50 quid a month and you can be with other like-minded people. Yeah. So I think it's important to think about other ways you can monetize, yeah. but just not through the gurus. Yeah. That's a skill these days, isn't it? Being able to filter out what's bullshit and what's not. <laughs> it's not going to be easy with the amount of content and video and marketing that we're all being spammed with but it's definitely yeah, a skill true. to have to be able to filter it um, but yeah I was, I'm reading a book now I don't know if you read it called The Shallows it's about you know how our brain changes with the internet and all the amount of media we're having to filter compared with you know the old days when you were able to actually go deep on a book or a text so yeah, I think nowadays that skill and just being able to write, this is what I need to do <laughs> and not get distracted by all the shiny yeah. stuff is probably the hard part. It's massive with the internet age. Massive, yeah. I read a very similar thing, uh, Stephen Pressfield, he's got a lot of books about being a writer and an artist and he yeah. just says everybody now is an ocean wide and an inch deep. Yeah, they're just spread over, and this this has been me definitely over the last few years. Now it's like, you know, what am I going to go an inch wide and a mile deep on? Um, you know, the craft that you yeah. just show up every day and be a professional and not get distracted. I think that's really important. Yeah, you know, because there was literally days where I'd be like, one day, right, I'm going to be um, an outdoor documentary filmmaker. Go on Facebook, get spammed with some ad next day right i need to make a course yeah i, <laughs> I, I need to build a effects pack and sell <laughs> that and then it's, yeah you look at yourself and you're like what am i doing like just <laughs> just slow down <laughs> do your one thing at a time like that's it do you know yeah. what i mean that's all you have to i've realized that all you have to do is be able to focus on one thing like you said yeah you can still generalize to an extent but you have to be if you don't have that focus on one thing at a time it, it's just not not gonna happen <laughs> exactly i think people underestimate you know i don't know who said this but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years and they overestimate what they can do in the next week yeah you know i i think 10 years is a good time frame to master something and, and get success yeah. and that's probably what it's going to take you to to see some real success in this and you know just having consistency and patience is probably half the battle if not more yeah yeah, I think Tim Ferriss, one thing he said was, you know, don't start something that you're not going to commit like 10 years to. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you can try different things, but once you've found it, you're going to have to be willing to commit somewhat. And I guess for you, you know, that's video production. Um, yeah. Definitely. Because, Definitely. you know, if you think about it, 
people are living longer, hopefully we'll, we'll have healthy, long lives. Mm. Um, you know, if you start your career at 20, you know, how many decades have you got to do different things? So just stick to one thing um, for 10 years. You know, I'm six years into my little journey on the, you know, imagine where I could be in four years time. Yeah. That's the way to think. Or if you like tried to change now, <laughs> imagine you tried to change now to like, I don't know, fashion design. <laughs> like you're starting from the bottom all over again. Like exactly. you might as well, if you exactly. enjoy what you do, just keep building. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, how long have we been going? Almost an hour now. Got 47 minutes on here. Cool. Um, yeah, what would you say about, like, do you do much connecting with other videographers? So opposed to like, you know, going after clients, like do you do anything to connect with other people in the industry? Or not really, you just doing um, your own thing? Kind of doing my own thing really. Um, I think recently on LinkedIn, I've tried to connect with a lot more video people um, and see what they're up to. And it would be nice to have relationships with other peers, you know, and, and not have that competitive type of conversation, but have genuine conversations. Um, but then what I've found is on LinkedIn, because that's the platform where I've probably got the most traction out of all of them. And now I'm connected with so many videographers it comes back to that like distraction thing again. Like I'm constantly seeing really talented people's work and it kind of like brings my mood down a bit. Like I think, oh, I'm not at that level or yeah. how did he get that client? And so I would like more friendships probably with people who do a similar thing, but at the same time, I'm trying to like limit that social media input because I find that it can really like just take you off your yeah because you sometimes rationalize that you're making progress by looking at your feed because it's linkedin and everyone's a videographer but really you're just making yourself either feel worse or not doing the work that's going to progress exactly because you, you, what happens is if that's your you've got to be really careful about your social media feed because if that's all you're seeing other videographers you start thinking, oh, this guy is too competitive. Like everybody's a videographer. Yeah, that's, I thought that. Like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, like everybody's video and everyone's doing the same things and doing really cool work. Like, how am I? What am I going to do? But really, it's a tiny fraction. Yeah. Of, of the population. Like, do you ever see on the uh, Facebook groups where someone will post a job and there'll be like fifty people like? look at my showreel please I'd love to <laughs> and I'm like wait a minute is this like for every job <laughs> oh yeah same on LinkedIn does anybody know any video producers yeah. tag, like, like tag and yourself you, yeah and you guarantee that the person who gets the most recommendations is in something like BNI or some bullshit networking group yeah and they don't even know if they're good videographers they're just all piling on and saying the same person yeah that's what I see all the I've, time yeah I haven't quite seen um, that yet <laughs> yeah that's just what I see for this one company. But the lesson there is like, if you're in a Facebook group of video people where, you know, that's the worst place to get work yeah, because that's where everybody is looking for the work. So the best place is to go to somewhere with a higher barrier to entry, like a paid networking club with real business owners. Like that's a good place to go yeah. or a sports club. Like I think rugby, you know, regardless of what you think of it and the culture, it's a very unique, place it's like often business owners successful people um that are 
have a shared common interest or having a beer. That's a great place to meet people um, and make connections. And yeah, anywhere where there's a bit of a barrier to entry, uh, that's where you want to go and swim rather than the busy pond. Yeah. Was it zig when the world zags or something? But it kind of it makes sense, <laughs> doesn't like it? Yeah. yeah. Um, totally, yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up in, I guess, about a few minutes, but we'll talk something a bit more fun now. If you're in, okay. are you into kit match? <laughs> what are you shooting on at the moment? What would you want to shoot on? Yeah, so I've been filming on Canon C100 Mark II for the past four years now, and I'm sort of getting itchy thinking I need to upgrade. Hmm. Um, but no client has ever asked me about my equipment. Yeah. Um, and I think they're starting to, now that I'm speaking to production companies uh, and agencies who, you know, they want the best gear for their clients, which is understandable. Mm. So if I'm going to go down the, the DOP route, then maybe, you know, I'm looking at like a, C1, a C300 Mark III, which is coming out soon, which I think would really suit my, the way I work. Um, of course, I'd love to hire some red and Ari gear and get familiar with that. But um, it's tough because if you want to hire that for a shoot, you're adding on a huge amount to uh, the cost of the production. You're not going to buy it for yourself, probably. Um, C300 Mark III, you know, 10 and a half grand. And all, I'd have to get all the stuff that comes with it. So it's again that battle between investing in your business and yeah. actually wouldn't wouldn't it just be better to have that ten grand for a rainy day? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like the Canon gear because it's just what I've always used. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I do a lot of stuff handheld. Like yeah. I, I like shooting handheld. That rugged so look, I'm isn't it? Much, yeah, I'm not much of a gimbal guy. Mm. Um, like I used one on the shoot with a Trafley last week, and it it was just juddering about and going mental this gimbal and um so i, I do like handheld so if, if you were saying favorite gear i probably would just say that the c100 yeah i know it inside out i've got a lens with image stabilization and go handheld and yeah i like that Man, you go manual focus yeah most of the time yeah um i'll just pull my own focus and um yeah, I use a 5D Mark III for a second camera, like if I'm doing interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you haven't I'm had pretty good at Mac. Haven't had many limitations with your Canon C100, really. No, I mean, I think early doors when I look back, I didn't have a clue how I was using that camera, and the footage looked absolutely horrible. Um, but I think you know, you, if you really get to know your gear, and you can get you can get a beautiful HD image out of the C100. And other filmmakers might turn their nose up and say it's not 4K, it's not, you know, it's uh, not 422 color and blah, blah, blah. But nobody's ever asked me for 4K. Even, you know, I've worked with Virgin Media, I've worked with Autodesk, Skiddle. These are like big brands, you know, and nobody's ever said, can we have a 4K master? Um, yeah. But then I think what I'm thinking now is just about doing the job right. So. I think I've got a shoot coming up where I'm going to need some like higher frame rates. Um, so I'll just hire it in and explain it to the client. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of stopped myself from being a gear h hoarder 
because there was a time in my life where I was just buying stuff all the time. Yeah, you know? like every accessory you'd never need. Yeah. That's literally me now, but you get through it, don't yeah. you, I guess? Well, you've got to weigh up what, what it adds. So like, I, I have this Rhino slider, which has an arc movement on it. Um, so it not only slides, but it like rotates as well. And that's how you get those really oh, cool okay, like, yeah. interview shots. Because I do a lot of talking head content and wanted to bring that to life. And that was a worthwhile investment. That was like probably a 1,200 quid piece of kit. But people see it and say, I want my interviews to look like that. Um, you know, I think having some good lighting is important. Um, but there's a lot of stuff I've bought that's just like, I've never used it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think weigh up your purchases and make sure you're going to get the return on them. Yeah. That's definitely a good point. All right, Garth, I think we'll wrap up. Is there any part in uh, advice you'd leave for new people in the video world to navigate their way through the, the mess? Yeah, I think, you know, to sum up probably our conversation, mm. it's uh, have a good body of work, you know, have a portfolio that you're proud to share, even if that means it's all personal projects. Uh, build real relationships like get to know influential people and then uh, just be patient I guess and it's hard at the start because you're not earning a lot of money and you, you're trying to get it off the ground and it's really hard and you'll have tough days but you stick at it long enough and you become good enough and you know the right people you'll you'll get there well there we are huge thanks to Garth for coming on really uh, easy chat to loads of knowledge because you've been doing it since 2014 now so it's great to get all those insights and yeah it'll definitely be interesting where he takes his business next so yeah hopefully we'll all be following that and of course i look forward to the next one episode four whoever that may be so yeah i'll see you then peace